Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick, and my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today, climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. We all want climate resiliency to protect our homes and neighborhoods. But what do we do when our city officials use resiliency to develop our public green spaces for their profit? In New York City, we are currently seeing our public parks being turned into cement, all in the name of climate resiliency, except that it isn't. Science shows that we need the trees and vegetation to soak up the heavy rainfalls. We recently saw the heartbreaking destruction of East River Park, where hundreds of mature trees were chopped down. And now, on the opposite side of Battery Park City in Wagner Park, it is set to be completely leveled. Joining me today is Brittany Arez and Kelly McGowan from the Battery Park City Neighborhood Association, along with Battery Park Montessori and Green Ivy School founder Jennifer Jones. We will learn how the Battery Park City Authority is forcing their plans on the community, how it isn't even needed in Wagner Park, and how we all need to join together to protect our green spaces. Welcome everyone to Be The Change. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Wonderful to have you here. And I guess before we get really deep into it, I would love if you could give us a a brief overview of, of what is happening at Wagner Park. Sure. I'll go ahead and start. First, we're here because we're longtime Battery Park City residents and stakeholders, and we're here to sound the alarm for the lower Manhattan community and anyone who enjoys Battery Park City's green spaces. We're here to sound the alarm that Wagner Park is slated to be demolished in the next three weeks. This demolition plan is a Cuomo legacy project that includes billion-dollar contracts, and a design that will destroy 50% of the active green space, cut down more than 100 mature trees, and increase commercial space by four or five times. As you mentioned, Christine, this project is being done under the guise of resiliency. What really is, as our community board pointed out even back to 2017, about maximizing revenue generation and commercializing our green spaces. So we all together are here for a very simple call to action and ask for a smart, thoughtful, science-backed, community-based resiliency effort that is free of corruption. Our call to action today is to go to savewagner.com to learn more and to get involved. Brittany, so I imagine this is incredibly frustrating there wasn't even flooding in Wagner. Is that right? Yeah. So the original designers of the park, even as we've discussed with them in the recent month or two, Mm -hmm. 
said that they built this flood for a 100-year storm back in 1996. They actually thought about building it even higher and decided against it. This park did not flood during Sandy, the grass and the trees. According to the horticulturists in the area, there was about $1,000, $1,000 worth of plant damage that was caused from Wagner Park. Now, you have to do something for resiliency. Everyone wants to make Lower Manhattan more resilient. There is a low point that is south of the park that you do have to address. It is full of concrete, and it is a place that water did come in. It's just not the park that needs to be addressed with the trees cut down and the grass paved over. We want a solution, a resiliency project that prevents climate change by preserving mature trees and protects us from climate change by using grass, green spaces, nature-based approaches rather than concrete to help protect us from both flooding from the river as well as any flooding from the sky as we saw with Hurricane Ida. Yeah, I hear you on that. And when I heard of this and their plan to demolish the old growth, trees have been here for decades now. You know, you need those. Anyone who studies climate resiliency or who works in that arena knows that we need grasses. We need our trees. You know, I mean, gosh, on islands, it's the reason why, you know, we have mangroves. It's part of the protection. And to take that down and put up cement just seems, quite frankly, idiotic to me. What has the Battery Park City Association said about this? And what is the reasoning? Do you know? The authority, the Battery Park City Authority. Yes, excuse me. Yes, the authority. You know, we have to do something. We had a Hurricane Sandy. We have to protect all of lower Manhattan. And so we must do something urgently. Brittany, this might be a good time for us to talk about who the Battery Park City Authority is, because I think it's important for everyone listening to know who is destroying Wagner Park. Excellent point. So who are they? The Battery Park City Authority is a state-owned body that has a set of board members that are appointed by the governor, the majority of which do not live in the neighborhood. And almost all of them today are Cuomo-appointed holdovers on the authority. So not local residents that understand the neighborhood, that have a voice here making these decisions. What's interesting, I think most people who live in New York City don't actually know this unless you own down here. And I bet you even renters don't know that the authority was established. So we're sitting on landfill, right? Battery Park yeah, City was... Absolutely. Yeah, so it was created. And then I guess instead of it being a part of Manhattan, they created its own authority. Is that right? To manage yep. it? It's state-owned land on a land lease. So th- it's not governed by the city. It's governed solely by the state. And everyone is essentially renting a spot on the land. Right. So even if you own, you don't really own in the typical sense of the word. And it is a revenue generator for the state. I see. I was going to ask, how does that benefit the people who live here? (laughs) See how it benefits the state. 
All of us hey, on the call I, have been here for a very long time, and we can tell you it does not benefit us. There are hundreds of ways in which day-to-day life is not supported by local governance because local governance doesn't live in the community, and they don't represent the priorities of the community. This is just an extreme instance of that. Go ahead, Kelly, please. So I just wanted to add a little context, and thank you for hosting this. Battery Park City Authority was created 50 years ago to create a new neighborhood, and it was highly successful. And part of that was to have 32, 33% green space, which as being a 33-year resident and raising my family here, we've all enjoyed. One of the things that's happened is that the development phase of Battery Park City Authority is over. All the space has been developed. But the authority has never transitioned into a maintenance role of operating a neighborhood, right? Now, Mm -hmm. as an authority, they can raise revenue. They can run independently of politicians. And this is why this is so important for this project, is that they are truly independent. With the Cuomo administration, we've had 12 years of projects that it was his style of not involving any other voice, whether it was city voices, elected officials, never mind the community. In fact, the Battery Park City Neighborhood Association was formed last year to save Rockefeller Park from the previous Cuomo-style project that was going to take 30,000 square feet of Rockefeller and turn it into a concrete memorial. And now this is his last legacy project that has obviously outlasted his administration. But it's important because we've gotten all the local politicians to come out, all the elected politicians and almost all the candidates running for office, design of this park. And it's really about the design. We all want resiliency, but we, this design is really a commercial billion-dollar project hiding as a resiliency project. And what we're asking from the governor on down to change the design, invite the community to be part of the solution that will last for generations to come. Makes sense. It makes total sense. And I think it should be pointed out that on the authority, uh, on this board, that there are no residents sitting on that board. Is that correct? There are two. There are are. two. The interim chair and one other resident, they were as a result of a previous political fight back in 2017 to try to get more residential voices. And we were arguing at the time for four, and we got two. But they're still all appointed by Andrew Cuomo, and all but one of them is past their term limit, or their term has expired. So most of them don't even live in the city. And that's a really important thing, because if you live in the city, as we view both Rockefeller and Wagner and all the green space in in Barry Park, our role is custodian of these. I mean, these are green spaces that serve all of lower Manhattan, all the way up to Central Park. Mm -hmm. And they're enjoyed by hundreds of thousands of people. And we love that, Mm -hmm. right? But just like in Central Park or in Prospect Park, they need to be protected because most of the development companies look at green space as opportunity to develop. Right. And it's up to the communities to say, yeah, but not here. So you mentioned Governor Hochul. Is she aware of this project? She is aware. 
we think that there's a real opportunity for Governor Hochul to distance herself from the legacy Cuomo style of administration and politicking and really connect with the people in lower Manhattan to avoid a East River Park debacle and turn this project into one that has her fingerprints on it and is her style of management of involving the community and having a solution that both protects and preserves the park as well as respects the needs of of lower Manhattan. There's a real opportunity. And I think one thing that's critical too to note is it's definitely an opportunity for Governor Hochul, right, to reverse, and even for our community, right, the wrongs that have been going back to the essential workers and beyond. But all, almost all of our elected officials have now formally voiced concerns and written letters as of last week, even, asking for design changes to please listen to the community, not just hear the feedback, but incorporate the feedback into the designs and ensure that this project has a design that takes the community feedback, incorporates it, and meets the community's needs. We all want the same goal. A resiliency project that the community loves and that protects all lower Manhattan. It's a win-win for everyone. Mm -hmm. So there's a real opportunity for everyone. Sorry, go on, Jennifer. No, that's okay. Christine, I would just like to add, again, I'm the founder of Battery Park Montessori and its sister school, Pine Street School, over near Wall Street. And I can tell you, I represent the residents of Battery Park. I am and have been for 14 years, raised my son there in Wagner Park. And I chose to build my school, Battery Park Montessori, in this location just north of Wagner because of the natural environment. And I wanted to build a school where young people would grow to appreciate. City kids could grow in appreciation of nature and green space, learn from it, be immersed in it, because there's no better way to promote resiliency and climate awareness than by showing children what they have to protect, by immersing them in an environment that they grow to love and appreciate. So they will protect it. If you take it away, you have no immersive experience. You give young people no reference point for what they have to protect and guard against. And I can tell you, you know, what I've noticed in this whole Lower Manhattan Resiliency Initiative, particularly the one focused on Wagner Park, particularly this one being led by the Battery Park City Authority, is it's very suspect because no one that represent major stakeholders in this community have been invited to be actively engaged in the process of developing a plan, understanding use, developing a sense of community priorities. I just represent two schools in the community. There are at least a dozen schools and not a single one of them has been engaged on this topic. Not a single one has been invited to the table. Most of us didn't even know what was happening until someone from the community alerted us to it. That's how quiet it's been. And largely because the Battery Park City Authority chose to conduct most of their community engagement during COVID virtually, when of course, most of the world had different priorities. And then they decided to go hard on the demolition of Wagner Park during a time of year when they know local residents are not around. Most people are 
for the first time in years, doing a vacation of some kind, trying to have some kind of relaxed experience, that's when the authority decided to accelerate their plan. And it was all very strategic. So we're very concerned because we're all big resiliency supporters. My schools promote climate awareness and resiliency. My young people know about carbon and flood mitigation by the time they're in kindergarten. (laughs) We're all very active proponents of smart, thoughtful, science-backed resiliency. We know that it's something we all have to do. But what the authority is doing is they are using climate resiliency denial as the way to make those of us who live here look as though we are opposing their efforts out of some kind of ignorance, when in fact, what we're opposing is the corruption that underlies their effort. That's what we're really opposing. Absolutely. Go ahead, Kelly. To underscore, I just want to underscore something that Jennifer said. It's really important, really two points. One is the process that the authorities route. What you will hear from them is, well, we've been at this for five years. We've held n number of community meetings. And I've been involved in this process. I went to the first public meeting, right? The same questions that were raised at that meeting were still on the table four and a half years, four and three quarters of a year later. Right? Unanswered. What was the unanswered? What was the design? What is it going to cost? Who's going to pay for it? What's the impact to the community? What's the science? And what, what's the science? What's the justification? Well, any normal question you would have. What you saw in the, the process was a kick the can down the road of, oh, yes, you'll have plenty of time for input later. Sorry, we don't have those questions. It hasn't been designed yet. It was you know, four and a half years of basically uh, hide the design yeah. until this year, till the last few months, when it came out. And it was horrific. Right. I've Brittany's yeah. heard me say this. I've talked to hundreds of people about this, both in Wagner Park, enjoying the Wagner Park. I have never met one person who said, Oh, I like the design. Yeah, that's yeah. a good design. It's universal. And to, we, the other point I wanted to make that just to let me because I think that Jennifer said something that was really important. By cutting down, demolishing this park and cutting down hundred mature trees. What's the real lesson to kids is that, oh, Battery Park City, it was all good to have sustainable agriculture and, you know, God bless the people who have worked and toiled for generations to make that happen. But as soon as it's inconvenient, you just wipe it out. You don't even consider what's the alternative. That's the lesson. That's the lesson to me on East River Park is it doesn't matter that a thousand trees were some of them are 100 years old. They're just inconvenient. I think we also have to make sure that everyone understands that the only quote unquote science that's been presented was invalidated years ago. There's only one scientific basis for this entire billion dollar longevity based destruction. And it's one invalidated report from many years ago. That's it. That's just wild. I mean, that right there, Jennifer, is is crazy. And everyone who I've brought this up to and talked to have said just how can they do this? And they can do it because they don't have to have it voted in, essentially, right? right? The community board can talk about it and discuss it, but they're not voting on it. Is that right? 
Well, they don't have any actual, the community board has no influence, like the city officials don't have any direct influence over the authority, right? And in fact, the authority has recently made that comment about elected officials to some of our, the board of one of our condos made the comment, they're elected officials, we don't have to listen to them. And that's a stunning admission. Yeah. Right? Whether they have to or not, that disconnect from both the community that you're supposedly protecting. I mean, one of the things that's different, that's very unique about a Battery Park City Authority as opposed to, say, other, the MTA or the Port Authority, is this is an authority that was specifically created to create a neighborhood, a mixed-use, diverse neighborhood of commercial and residential. And it's lost its way. It's completely Mm, lost its way. It's lost its purpose. Uh, it's it, lost its yeah. purpose, right? Yeah. And I think what's important here is that the Battery Park City Authority has a Goliath-level power right now because they have pure autonomy against the community. They don't have to listen to the community or consider its needs or priorities. And they can use the community's money for not only this project, so they can use the community's tax dollars mm to destroy its cherished park and they can use the community's tax dollars for the PR and lobbying to shut down the community's voice. Uh, That's that's exactly what they're doing. They're using our money to destroy our neighborhood and silence us. That's exactly what's happening right now. Can I just uh, add a point to that? Sure. Because it's important. This project, one of the stunning things about this project is it's being funded 100% buy the ground rent uh, bonds on the I ground guess. rent revenue in yeah. Battery Park City, right? We're there being forced to pay for its construction. Right, yes. exactly. So if you ask the question, well, why is that? That doesn't make any sense with this being a national priority, a state priority, and a city priority. Why have you not even asked for money from anywhere else? The reason, I believe, is that if you get money from the federal or the other areas of the state or the city, you have to give them a voice. And, and you Andrew have to Cuomo back wanted, real science. Exactly. You have to justify your project. And Andrew Cuomo's style was not to give anybody any voice in what he wanted to do. And then yeah. we saw that in all the projects, the authority that he appointed. Yeah. This is just the, one of the biggest magnitudes. So that's what it boils down to. It's a billion-dollar project. Not a penny is coming from the federal government or the state coffers, or the city. They didn't even ask. So you basically, like, so people can understand in condo terms, so this is a billion dollars of your reserves, your reserves, going to destroy a park that you don't want destroyed. (laughs) Right? So Exactly. Okay, and so we know Cuomo's gone, and we know he appointed them, and I'm familiar with that, but, you know, I always say in the years I've learned, and it is follow the money and power. Right. It, yeah. it, it is always that mm-hmm. way. So what is their plan? Revenue. What's going to happen there? What are they going to gain from this? Revenue, lots of revenue. And how is that, Jennifer? Because, how will they get revenue? right now? I can tell you as a mom, as much as I can, as the founder and developer of a very successful school for now, 10 years, is one of the things we have always appreciated about Wagner Park is that it is about the environment and not the money. One of the beautiful, peaceful escapes of Wagner Park is that it is essentially vendor-free. 
it is a place where you can just genuinely enjoy nature and mm-hmm. some of the most exquisite nature and perspectives that the city offers. It is pure in that sense and has always been. It's the reason you love having your children there because you're not constantly being bombarded by commercial experience and you're not surrounded by concrete. You are immersed in nature and it's so good for mental health. It's so good for social well-being. It's so good for community building. So many important community building experiences happen on the active green space of Wagner Park. And that's not just for the immediate community. That's for communities nearby, all the way leading up to 14th Street. It's citywide. It is. Right now they're having a dance festival, right? Some of the most important artistic festivals in the city happen in this uncorrupted green space. So I can tell you, I've lived as a resident in Battery Park City long enough to tell you, they want to generate revenue. They see an opportunity to convert that space into something with big dollars because it is also appealing to tourists. And they know Mm -hmm. that if they can add opportunities for commercial experiences in this green space, they can also capitalize on tourism. So So, it's all about that. One of the theories that I have heard is they're converting, they're tearing down the current pavilion, which is smaller, Mm -hmm. and adding four to five times in terms of square feet, right? So first you get more, you know, space that you can rent out. And secondly, there was an article published back in 2017 that looked at what current space in the current pavilion pays per square foot. And it was significantly less than the average cost per square foot. So when you redo the contract, you build a new pavilion and you redo the lease, the contract, and you can significantly not only charge more because you have more square feet to charge, but more per square foot. So mm-hmm. there's that element of revenue generation. And you asked about the community board and what are they doing, right? And they wrote resolutions back in 2016, 2017, calling them out for this, saying you are trying to maximize revenue, generating assets. Please focus on those pinch points that we discussed, the concrete places that actually flooded and leave the park and the pavilion as is because they weathered Hurricane Sandy, did not flood, and they were built for a 100-year storm. They were designed for flood mitigation. It was visionary. Years and years ago, there were people already thinking what the BPCA is trying to tell you that they are the first ones to be thinking about, but they're not. Wagner Park was designed with visionary climate resiliency in mind. And that's why I can tell you because I had just recently opened Battery Park Montessori before Sandy hit. And I was terrified when Sandy hit. And I ran from my apartment to my school's site, which is perched on the Hudson River, okay? And I fully expected it to be filled with water, not an inch of water anywhere, not a bit of standing water anywhere. My school on Wall Street, horrible flooding. Everybody in the community around my other school, we spent weeks volunteering to help people on the other side of the highway recover from the flood impact from Sandy, but not a single person in Battery Park City was impacted, not a single bit of electricity, no utilities, no services, nothing. And so I can tell you from an empirical perspective that yeah. you can just smell that something's not right in this well, plan. So, okay. One, I'd love to know if you know where the revenue of these retail locations that they, I guess that will be a part of their new plan. 
where that goes. And also I'm looking at right now, there's the Museum of Jewish Heritage. Now, it's my understanding that that flooded right next to Wagner. Was that from Wagner or was that from somewhere else? Does anyone know? No one on or near Wagner flooded after Sandy. I can tell you firsthand. I walked every so, inch of that. Yeah. So I can just add a little color to this. The parts of uh, Battery Park that did experience flooding, say down by uh, the, the former Ritz-Carlton, all that water came from Battery Park proper because that's a low point. Down south. Really confusing really fast. So you have to clarify yeah. that Battery Park yeah. is distant from Battery Park City. They are not in the same location. It's Battery to the Park left. is <clears throat> south, right? Yeah. Way south. It's on the tip. And it right. is not necessarily a part of Battery Park City. It has a very different elevation. It is in the same elevation as my family's were on the Wall Street side. So, yeah, anybody who walked by the Battery Park Tunnel, for example, remembers that it was filled with water after Sandy. So it can get confusing for those who are not from the community if you don't realize that Battery Park City is elevated. Um, they are. Yes, and, you go ahead, Kelly. And you can look at one of the flooding maps from Sandy and you can see that almost the entirety of Battery Park City itself was a dry island, right? Yeah. The water came in from the north, it came down West Street, and it came up from Battery Park from the south right and that did overflow on the ironically on the inside of uh, the land side of battery park city to a, a small extent but getting back to the commercial space for a second one of the sad ironies of this project because most of projects in in new york are always focused on the the capital investment for development there's a billion dollar project yeah in my opinion the increased revenue that you will get from a, a larger restaurant is certainly not justified. It would never justify a billion dollar investment, right? It's that you're getting the billion dollars from under resiliency and you might as well get a, a higher revenue out of a restaurant. In fact, the restaurant that is there now, they have signed our petition to not do this project. Mm. They're not in favor of it. One of the reasons is, as you, I'm sure everybody's experienced, Retail in New York City is suffering dramatically. The last thing we need to do is add more retail space. In fact, 20 yards away from where the, quote, new pavilion will be is a 25,000 square foot restaurant that's fallow yeah. in Pier A, yeah. right? You could build a footbridge to integrate that if you yeah. want a bigger restaurant. There's no reason at all to increase the commercial space. It is not needed. The community doesn't want it. I think the lack of attention to Pier A is worth highlighting, right? Like yes. That's another thing that just makes all of this just smell so suspect because yeah. Pier A, which is just south of Wagner Park, isn't even mentioned in the plan, isn't being addressed by any current resiliency initiative. And that is considered to be the most precarious flood yes. point in the region. So why, and it's if a it's natural so urgent landmark. and so critical, yeah. why isn't the area that everyone, developers, architects, engineers, scientists, community members, all agree, Pier A is problematic? Why isn't that part of this plan if this is really about resiliency? Right. You know, because again, we are all pro-resiliency. We all want to protect what we have. We really get it. We all understand that sea level is going to rise. That's we get right. it. 
we're not against resiliency. We're for smart, thoughtful, community-engaged, science-backed resiliency that doesn't have a lot of corrupt politicians digging into our pockets. That's right. And I think if you look at the plan that they propose, you know, it's really, as you mentioned, I think, is it 50% less green space? Yes. Yes. There's 50% less green space. 50% less active green space. And this is very important because the BPCA, right, one of their many strategies in PR is to present you, like if you go online, you can see their beautiful renderings, right? And their renderings are filled with lots of bushes and planters and things like that to make you feel like this is going to be a green space, but it's not. It's going to remove the usable green space, the space that makes the area so incredibly valuable and immersive. All of that will be gone. And all of those beautiful trees, and we all know what it means to take down mature trees, right? It's trees aren't just isolated entities. Trees are part of networks. Trees grow networks over time and they shape an ecosystem, a natural ecosystem. This is something we teach our kids in our school yeah, so they learn yeah. to appreciate the invisible network that trees form in an area. So all of this eviscerated as yeah. part of this resiliency plan. It doesn't make a bit of sense. No science would back that idea. We're not trying to pretend to be scientists when we talk about the post-Sandy experience. I know that me walking through the neighborhood is not science. Yeah. But we know from observation that what we're hearing from the BPCA it doesn't hit. There's something awful. No, it's extremely suspect. And the idea that they're doing it, they say for the people, which is not for the people. In fact, they're going to the detriment of the people. It just makes you wonder what's behind it. Really, what is behind it? Well, I was going to say is that I've not to speak for the lower Manhattan community, but I've never met somebody who doesn't want a resiliency project that protects and preserves community. Right. right? Right. But you want to make that investment on your highest priority, yeah. not to make the highest ground higher. Let's focus on the lowest ground and protect that. Let's focus on the root cause. I mean, uh, this project as is, is going to spend a billion dollars, like I said, to make the higher ground higher, which protects against one element of climate change. Yeah, a that's potential right. Potential flooding, right. potential right. sea level rise. Right. It does nothing to protect against the real culprit in climate change, which is deluges of water. Which That's don't, right. You don't need Superstorm Sandy to have a 24-inch rainfall that we are not protected against, right? Yeah. Most of the buildings in Lower Manhattan, and at least half of the buildings in Battery Park City, need to be upgraded to be, have a, a smaller carbon footprint. Right? They need new boilers, they need new PTAC units, those are air conditioner units, they need new windows, so that they're much more efficient. Right? If we're going to make an investment, let's go for the root cause right? and protect the trees, as you've pointed out many times. Is trees are our solution, they're not yes. our problem. Right. Right? And here we are, supposedly under the urgency, we have to do something, that's all we often hear, that, oh, it's been 10 years since Sandy, we have to do something. Right. Well, in my opinion, doing the wrong thing is doing the wrong thing fast is not the solution. Let's do the right thing. That's right. The- if it's urgent, where is peer A in the plan? If right. it really is so right. urgent, right. the point that we experienced the most danger from in the last storm isn't addressed. So how is that explained? 
And this project will take years to do because yeah. of they've constructed a project that is making a mountain out of a molehill. That's taking one of the landscape architecture experts, quote, you're making a mountain out of a molehill, instead of focusing on the real, what's called pinch points, the low areas, which would be far easier to do. Yeah. Except that that wouldn't cost a billion dollars, right? But we still can't figure out why they want to spend it unless, you know, I guess, who is the contract being sent to? Who has the construction job? Who all that, you know, I don't know. Does anyone know if that? AECOM is the major developer. In this. Okay. Yeah. Yes. With ties and, to Cuomo and, or? AECOM is a, one of the largest national government contracting companies. So they have ties to Cuomo. And in fact, I think Andrew Cuomo was their biggest political contribution while he was in office. But they do a lot of work in New York. They have deep political I think ties. they're also involved in the East oh. River Park as well. Okay. The same. Yeah. So East River, East River Park as well as Wagner. And as soon as they go on to Wagner, their next stop is to continue up the north and go up to Rockefeller. So that's the next stop yeah. for them. And I have right. to tell you that there's, someone mentioned, you know, hundreds of thousands of visitors to the green space Right. I actually think that there was a, a survey back in 2018 that it was almost a million unique visitors to Battery Park City Green Space. So when you think about it, you know, it's not just about us that live near the community. We're fortunate to live near green space, right? We have a lot of green spaces. There's a lot of communities that rely on the Battery Park City green space yeah. because they don't have any. So what Jennifer was talking about, yep. especially in Side Eye, they have such little amount of green space. You yeah. know, I have friends that have twin little kids. And since they've been two years old, they've been walking over to Battery Park for green space to play on a daily basis because they have none. And then you talk about the East River Park, they've just taken that green space out of commission. So those folks are have been coming down to Battery Park. I spoke to someone yesterday who says, I ride my bike now to Battery Park because yeah. I don't have the bike path in the green space in East River Park. And they're right. doing this all simultaneously, taking out all the green spaces at the same time and not thinking about, you know, let's first add green space, right? Let's look at the vulnerable points. Let's look at FIDI. Let's look at Seaport. Let's look at the places where there's concrete. Let's look at the pinch point that has concrete. Let's uplift that. Let's make those more resilient. Let's add nature, trees, grass, places for kids to play. And then let's look at the parks and make tweaks if we have to, right? I mean, nature is the original designers. I quote them. Yeah, Nature should be the first line of defense that's to right. flooding. And that's how we designed it. If water comes up, it will filter down. And Rockefeller is built the exact same way. That is the quote from the designer. Well, you know, Brittany... It's really important to point out that we had mentioned before, there's a park to the left or at the very bottom, that's called The Battery, and that is a yes. public park. It also has private funding, but it's part of New York City parks, unlike Battery Park City. But right. The Battery right. is trying to become more resilient, and there's a woman who is also in charge over there who is protecting the yeah. land and the trees and the migration and the butterflies. We haven't even talked about all the animals who call their homes down here, right? Exactly. And so then they have a plan that will save it, not destroy it. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, we're on so, the migratory path for the monarchs, which are yeah. now an endangered species amongst other birds that use us on the migratory path. You know, there's not that many green spaces in Manhattan. 
So it's very critical green spaces. I don't think that there's been any analysis, not that I've seen, of the environmental impact on uh, migratory birds, on the monarch butterfly and other animals. Or the participation of those leading best practices around the world. We are an international city. We're one of the most important cities in the world. We have access to expertise from all over the world where Lots of cities are addressing resiliency in ways that protect, preserve, and enhance green space. It's not a new science. No. What we're asking is, where are those people and where are those perspectives? Why are the only people driving resiliency in this area, people appointed by Cuomo for a development board and developers? Where are the scientists? Where are the people who really know how to do this? And why aren't they part of this process? It's just mysterious. It's mind boggling. And I think, you know, I'd like to get into how we're going to stop this because we all know what happened to the East River Park. And in fact, their own council member, Carlina Rivera, voted to have those trees destroyed. She supported that mm-hmm. and very publicly said that it had to happen, which it didn't. So, Where are we here? What about, there's a big race right here for uh, District 10 and who's supporting this project and who isn't? Yeah, well, you start out with Carlina Rivera. Her, she's published now saying Wagner's next. So that was a New York Magazine article that I saw last week. So we know that she is supporting the project. We've had some some vocal opposition to it, especially in District 10. Um, Brian Robinson, has been one of the leaders, the forefronts of this. Assemblymember Yuli New, who's now running for District 10, has you know published a letter, actually co-signed by Jennifer, asking for design changes and community input against this. And we're hopeful that more of the candidates in District 10 will come out and support the community to get smart resiliency, get these design changes, focus on the pinch points, the vulnerable areas, and turn the concrete green, not the other way around. Our state Senate race, all of them are supporting design changes. Senator Kavanaugh just wrote a letter as well, asked last week to Hochul, asking for design changes. So all the candidates support that. Our council member Marte co-signed Senator Kavanaugh's letter. So he's in support of design changes along with Borough President Levine. And Assemblymember Fall has been on the forefront since the beginning. I think he was the first one that was asking for a pause and a redesign and and community input on this project. I think he's written maybe somewhere between two and three letters over the course of months asking for community input to be incorporated into the design. So we're fortunate that we do have, you know, our local elected officials supporting us. Obviously, we could we need more. And we think that they should be, you know, elected officials should be supporting on all these projects with East River Park, too, and Elizabeth Street Garden. And, you know, lots of our green spaces are at risk, not just us. And I have to tell you that we're banding together, right? Like, you know, we're not going to be little pockets anymore, right? We're creating green coalition that we're trying to look together and say, you know what, you know, a green space that you take out of commission in one neighborhood really impacts all of lower Manhattan. And we need to come together and try to all collectively protect them. So, you know, we're hopeful that Coco will take this opportunity. Sorry, go on, Kelly. So I was just going to say that Battery Park City, as a development, not only taught the city and the state, but taught the world 
that you can transform urban spaces by adding green. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That transforms when people were writing Lower Manhattan off after Wall Street migrated to Midtown as it's just going to be another dead downtown. Battery Park City was really the anchor to transform it into a residential neighborhood. Our Lower Manhattan is now the second fastest growing, as of the last census, the second fastest mm-hmm. growing community in New York City. Mm. A large part of that is because people recognize that it's a great place to raise their families when you have these green spaces and you have people like Jennifer starting and founding schools to have your kids go that are are well connected to the neighborhood. You take that away. And in a time when we're losing population in New York City, to me, is insane, right? So we're going to have these pretty walkways with, going to have a population that's deciding, well, there's nowhere for my kids to play. There's nowhere for me to... Lots of retail, no people. That's right. No people, right? And it's a vision of the city that you only get when you're having decisions made by people who don't live there, Right. right? And that's what has to change. And it has to, and it has you to know, start with Wagner. 100%. Many of whom donated to Cuomo's campaign and have been called out mm-hmm. for political corruption, right? Like these are the people who are driving decisions about this community. I really think we should start by questioning the ethics of this board. Like what are the ethics of this board? Ethics should be the foundation of a governing body. Are they ethical? I wonder. Yeah, 100%. Well, Unfortunately, we have come to the end of the show. And I mean, I could talk to you about this for another hour or so, but I, I do want to get in how people can help and how they can join this coalition. I have people who are all over New York City, Brooklyn, uptown, downtown, who want to support and help. Where can they go and how can they help keep Wagner Park? So we have a website that has all the calls to action all together. We have a petition, a legal fund these ways to contact elected officials, insight on upcoming events, savewagner.com. It would direct all all of your listeners, everyone to go to savewagner.com. And really the power of stopping this, right, is really the power of the people coming together, being united and standing up for what is right, right? Our power comes in numbers and our power comes in that we are right and our cause is just. And that's really important. So I really encourage to learn more, get involved, go to savewagner.com. That's right. That's, that's right. what the show that's is right. about. That's right, Christine. For the first time in my experience, we now have all of the community support, all of the elected officials support. Everybody's on one side of the football and the Battery Park City Authority is on the other by itself. That's powerful. Yep. We just have to get more people to recognize that go to save wagner website and get involved that's right savewagner.com well kelly jennifer and Brittany, thank you so much for being the change and thank you for being on today thank you thank so you. much thank you. thank you for having us i hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired we grow with supporters and listeners like you so please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc. And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. 
That's be the change.nyc. Thank you and be well.